You're listening to the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable, the official Star Wars Rebels discussion podcast of StarWarsReport.com. Join us each week as we discuss each new episode. We want to hear what you think of this new Star Wars series. Send us an email or an MP3 at RebelsRoundtable at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelsroundtable, on Twitter at rebelsround, or on our website, rebelsroundtable.com. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So strap yourselves in and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to our special celebration review episode of Rebels Roundtable, the official podcast of the Star Wars Report covering all things Rebels animated series. And as I said, we're discussing all the information that came out about Rebels at Star Wars Celebration at Anaheim. I'm Jonathan, and unfortunately I was not able to attend Anaheim, but we have those of our team who were able to go. We have Barrett. Hey everybody, it's Barrett. Nice to be back from Celebration Anaheim, where we have some good news to share with everybody. Exciting news. Mark? Oh, it feels good to come out of those lathering waters. Something about Star Wars Celebration just makes you just rise up onto the Cloud Nine level and just never come down. And long-awaited new member of our team, our roundtable, our own personal fulcrum, we have Bethany. Welcome, Bethany. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to being a part of the show. I will warn that I'm on the tail end of a cold, so I might occasionally mute the microphone so as to cough hysterically in the background that hopefully won't be in the background because I'll mute the microphone. I'm sure it will be fine. And we are all, as I said, thrilled to have you here, Bethany, and glad that you were able to join our team. Now, Celebration Anaheim. You know, for those of us who weren't able to go, it certainly looked like the time. And what I was thrilled to see is it seemed like Rebels was very heavily represented. There was a lot of panels about it. There was a lot of people even, I mean, cosplayers who were doing some of the Rebels stuff. There just seemed to be a lot of interest, and not least of which, the preview, or I guess, showing of the first couple episodes of Season 2. That was so much fun. Now, which of you were able to go see the premiere? I was able to go see the premiere. Yes, I was able to see the premiere as well, Jonathan. And they actually really did it big. They had a red carpet that they set up right in the main entrance of the convention center. They put a red carpet up there. They had rebel screen behind the red carpet. They had all of the stars, uh, the voice actors walk the red carpet and take pictures. And they, they really did have a red carpet premiere. I was pretty, I don't want to say amazed, but I was pretty impressed with the amount of support that they were actually giving Rebels. I mean, I think they know that they have a gem here, and they're going to try to make some good programming for us. See, I wasn't able to get there. I That was the first number one thing, knowing about that I wanted to go to. You know, I was like, okay, I got to go see this premiere. Uh, and then I would say about the second day of celebration, my wife tells me, oh, don't, don't plan anything on uh, this day at this time. And I'm like... Busting open that little insider's guide that they give you down there at Celebration, and I'm flipping through, and my heart sank immediately. I'm like, I, 
I can't do this. Like, no, this is the one thing I wanted to do. Uh, and of course, so she's trying to keep it a secret. You know, I go, well, I can't tell you, you're not going to be able to get the money back, but I spent a lot of money on this and you can only do it here at Celebration. So I'll go down and see if I can change the times. And then, of course, the next day she's like, nope, times can't change. It's you're going to have to miss it. So, of course, you know, I'm like, I don't know if this is worth it or not. My son, he's with me. We go down to the Untold Clone Wars, you know, and I'm got him telling people because he knows about it. So he's talking to the We Talk Clones guys now Ion Cannon. And I'm kind of judging off their reactions like, okay, is this like a good thing or is my wife totally hosing me in the worst way possible in the middle of my fandom trip, you know? And they they looked like it was like an okay thing and they didn't want to spoil me. So I was like, okay, this must be pretty good. And when the time came, you know, we go over to the uh, autograph hall and I, I had a sneaky suspicion at this point, okay, it's either I'm getting an autograph or I'm getting a photo. And of course, then one of the staffers comes up, you know, the line for Mark Hamill right here. Oh, yeah, I was ready to do flips, man. I got to... uh Meet Mark Hamill, get my family's photo with him and stuff, chat with him real quick and stuff. He held my daughter, thought he nude my other daughter from earlier in the convention. I was crazy, man, just crazy. But yeah, I, I wasn't able to get to that. Uh, I did make it to the new allies, new villains, where they wrote, uh, they put out the premiere of the trailer for season two, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to the premiere itself. But Hamill was an easy trade-off, I guess. I think that's probably the only excuse that we would accept. Uh, Mark Hamill, George Lucas, the Emperor. So I think you're good. Yeah, yeah. Now, before we talk about the premiere itself, let's talk about that preview that came out before anyone saw the episodes themselves. I have to admit, I, I've been following pretty closely with what was going on at Celebration. And when that preview hit, I tell you, I was in like PetSmart and I saw it and I just stopped. And I called my son over. I'm like, Jonah, we got to look at this. And we just sat there and we watched it. And then we watched it again. And I think people were probably wondering what the heck we were doing because we're just standing in the middle of the aisle going, and my son's going, oh my God, it's Rex. Oh my God, Rex. <laughs> and I, I, I just, wow. That's really all I can say is wow. Bethany, what was your reaction when you saw that preview for the first time? Oh, that preview. I was really excited about the preview. Uh, but I will say, and I, I, I kind of think this is the case for people who saw the actual premiere because I saw the preview and the premiere somewhat close to each other. I actually mix up some of the parts in my mind. Uh, so I, I may try to be a little careful about it in the sense that I don't want to spoil anything too much. But, uh, I remember for me, the exciting part about both the preview and the premiere was Vader and Rex. But yeah, but not only did we get to see Captain Rex, but we get to see Commander Wolf. And people are trying to figure out who the other clone is that's accompanying them. But that's got to be Wolf, right? Because he's missing the eye like Wolf. So it that, that premiere was just way eye-opening for anybody who's a fan of the Clone Wars, just to, I mean, we had no idea that Captain Rex was coming back. We had no idea Soga was coming back when she came back at the end. I mean, they're doing a really good job of keeping secrets, keeping this stuff on a, on a tight lid and premiering it in uh, very good ways. And I was very excited seeing the premiere, but I saw the premiere pretty close to the actual red carpet event. Now, it, for me, Seeing that, there were a lot of things that I was surprised at seeing in that, in the, uh, in the trailer. I was surprised, but I was thrilled. 
not only do you see these clones, you see Vader really coming into his own, you see some stuff that from the original trilogy. I mean, there are A-wings, there are B-wings, Vader's fighter. We talked about, you know, the Inquisitor's TIE advance last season as maybe being the, the bridge between the traditional TIE fighter and Vader's TIE fighter. So I have to admit that one of the concerns that I had for season two of Rebels is, are they going to be able to keep up the level that they had, that they'd been reaching with season one? Are they going to be able to maintain that intensity and, and keep us along for the ride? But if this preview is any indication, I think that they will, I, I think they've nailed it. I, I really do. What about you, Mark? Dude, they totally nailed it. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the Force Awakens trailer, but I was in there for this. And and you know how everybody came back and they were having that feeling for that other trailer? That's how I felt for this one. This was my quintessential celebration moment. Uh, you know, I mean, I was there with my son. We got there early. In fact, we were actually unknowingly going to be sitting right next to Riley and Bethany. Uh, but then we moved up because I thought we were too close to the stage. I was like, I can't see everybody. I want to get a good venue. You know, I want to be up high. So... We went up to the third floor where at the time it was wide open. Uh, and then, you know, after the fact found out like, wow, we were probably like a row apart. <laughs> and, but where we were at when we watched it, you know, and they go to do the trailer and all this, the cast, uh, you know, they, I don't know if they knew or not, but they played like they didn't know that they were going to be watching it. So they all laid down on the stage and they're watching up and everybody's watching and it goes all dark screen and stuff. And then, you know, everybody starts giggling because it kind of takes a little long and you're like, is it going to start or isn't it? And, and then it came on. Uh, and I recorded the first time they played it twice, but. I remember, you know, you know, Bethany was mentioning Vader and when Vader shows up, you know, everybody's cheering and stuff. And then they show you the new Inquisitor and everybody's like, yeah. But then the screen goes blank, just like it did with The Force Awakens. And then we get three words and everybody goes ape Sith. I mean, when you hear my name's Rex or I am Rex or whatever Rex says at that moment. Oh, man. Even, you know, I, I put the video on her Facebook page. But yeah, everybody in there was just, Whoa! I mean. It went insane. Even when Ahsoka said, mind if I join along, the applause wasn't as big as when we found out Rex was back. Uh, Baron, I'm 100% in your camp, man. That is totally Wolf. Uh, a lot of fan speculation is that the other clone in that one pl uh, panel is Gregor. Uh, and, and some people have done some pauses and stuff where you can see one of the gauntlet arms and they're saying, you know, oh, it's worn down and it's, it's Gregor's. And yeah, I could see where they're going with that, but story-wise, I question it, because I'm like, what did Gregor have in common with either Wolf or Rex? I mean, what would bring him to, you know, clone family Robinson on this AT-AT walker that they seem to have? Uh, but there was so much action in that trailer. Uh, th th that's where I'm really bummed that I didn't get to see the preview of the premiere, because I wanted to, you know, see what was going to happen with Vader pulling the lightsaber back through the force with Ezra's own lightsaber coming towards his throat and, and, and you know, the, the, the speech he's giving Ezra about his master and all this. I mean, I, I've thought before about the fact that, you know, Kanan's kind of like the Ben Kenobi to Ezra's Luke, but, you know, Ahsoka could totally become the Yoda in this regard. Uh, but one thing that, that was striking from a lot of the Q and A's and stuff at the different panels and some of the Clone Wars ones specifically, a lot of people are concerned about the Clone Wars becoming, you know, the the rebels main focus that it's going to become clone wars volume two uh you know we got hondo car also showing up and stuff and someone asked you know are we going to see cad bane and and he mentioned you know they're very very focused on the fact that this is the rebels family story and while that stream is going along there's going to be the cast of of the clone wars kind of threading in and out uh but they're yeah, never it's yeah. never going to be their story and i love the fact that that attention to detail was there 
And that was across the board in almost all the panels. I mean, the Star Wars at Delray panel had the same thing. Uh, you know, Clone Wars Untold Stories, even the Bad Batch when they were doing their Q&As, there was a lot of interesting information that came out. Uh, you know, uh, Pablo Hidalgo during the Untold Clone Wars had mentioned that the Old Republic MMO is in fact, uh, legends. You know, things like that were just getting dropped left and right. Sometimes I hated to leave because I had my son with me. You know, we were there for his birthday, just the two of us for Bad Batch. And he wanted to turn and burn. He had to go to the bathroom, you know, and after waiting an hour and a half just to get in, it was the first episode. He's like, I gotta go. And, and William Devereaux was like, once you go out, they're not going to let you back in. I'm like, dude, we got three more episodes, man. Pinch it off. But I, I tell you this, the learning curve of celebration for me is I will not be going back with my family. And that's a mutually okay thing from both my wife, my kids and myself. <laughs> I missed a lot of stuff, man. No, that's what I remember from the celebrations that I've been to is you have to just completely immerse yourself in it. You you can have nothing else because there's so much that you want to see and so much you've got to do. And it's almost heartbreaking, but you re- you have to come to the realization that you can't see at all. Mm-hmm. See, that's where we have a difference of opinion because uh, I only have one child. I take Pharaoh and I use him to the fullest extent of my fatherhood. Um, That's we've gotten, exploitation. It is, but we've gotten into <laughs> That's panels. That's also two more hands. We've gotten into panels because he has really big eyes. Um, we've uh, <laughs> done a lot of things, gotten a lot of lot of, uh, of ex- uh, exclusivity. Uh, I, a couple times when I ran up on Filoni, it's, I know it's because I had Pharaoh with me. He ain't going to run from a child. Um, That's hilarious. I, I use Pharaoh a lot. Or he's getting big now, so he's not as cute as he used to be. But when he was five or six, man, he was unstoppable. There was a lot of running jokes of that with uh, Filoni and the little kids. He's just like, they're getting smaller and their their questions are getting more diabolical. And they're getting cuter, too. I mean, Mark, you, you, can, you, you need to start grooming Jaina to uh, <laughs> oh, be an Oh, my gosh. Nobody can say no to a little girl with, with Princess Leia buns on. Okay? No well, one. And I got uh, uh, Jason Latronica, one of the uh, the fans of Star Wars Report, brought uh, some shirts for her. One of them, it's blue, and it says, I am canon, and the other one's uh, Defender of the EU in training. I'm like, dude, those are awesome. <laughs> now, Jonathan, to kind of go back to your question, to me, the premiere not only lived up to the intensity of the trailer, it surpassed it. The premiere is definitely my favorite part of Rebels so far. It's It's my favorite episodes that I've seen in Rebels so far. And there may be a little bit of celebration rose-colored glasses, perhaps, you know, seeing it on the big screen, the wait, the anticipation, the ha- watching it with a crowd. So I, I will say that there's that, but I honestly think that they have really stepped it up for season two. And and I think that is because there's the support there. Uh, you know, it's it's not as risky necessarily as the Clone Wars was to begin with. And you know, they've figured out, hey, people actually do like this. And that's the sense that I got from everything that I've seen is that I think more than anything else, in some ways, I mean, obviously more than Clone Wars, and for some people more than even the prequels, Rebels seems to be embraced by the Star Wars community. Did you guys get that feeling? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that the feeling is mutual that I got at the con was that the Rebels is walking the fine line and succeeding where Clone Wars did not. And I know that we don't want to have many spoilers when it comes to the Rebels premiere. I mean, a lot of people don't really don't have that long to wait before it comes on. You know, Jonathan, one thing I want to say without having, you know, we're trying to keep this 
spoiler-free as much as possible. But I really want to talk about the way that they're handling Ahsoka and they're handling Darth Vader. Because, Mark, to you, you know, the concern is out there about Clone Wars 2.0, what Rebels may turn into. You know, now that we have Ahsoka, what do we need Hera for? What do we need Kanan for? You know, I've said this before. She's much more interesting than Kanan or Hera. And I find that what they're doing is they're actually having our crew doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And they're having Ahsoka there in the background doing stuff, but our crew is still doing the heavy lifting. So they're walking a fine line right there. And the way that they're doing it is pretty good. And Vader, the way that they're handling Vader, again, without giving any way any of the story or the plots, he, the way that they have him move, he looks like episode four Vader, the way he walks. He's terrifying. Like I've never, I've never been so afraid of Vader before. And that's really saying something. He's hunched over. Uh, his mannerisms, they have James Earl Jones back for his voice. I mean, but they are capturing episode four, Empire Strikes Back, Vader. I mean, he is, it's a scary, scary villain. And I have to say, that's great to hear because the one thing that for me, the prequels did is change the, the feel of Vader. I'm not sure if, I don't know, if, if it's just me, but, when I watch the original trilogy now, my perception of Vader is not the the terrifying yeah. force of nature that he was originally. Now he he's kind of become almost like a sad, almost pathetic character. Yeah, the tragic hero. The, absolutely the tragic. I mean, he's still probably my favorite character in the whole entire saga. But I, you know, it, it just originally, you know, I think back to. When I saw episode four and I'm the first time, and I may be one of the only in this group that saw it in the theater originally, I, I remember him coming through the, you know, the, the, the blown out door on the, on the Tantive and, and just being absolutely just awed and, and scared. But, you know, over time that you kind of lost that. The idea that Vader is a, a credible threat now in this, it's what he should be. And it's so exciting, Jonathan, to see Vader brought to, uh, brought to life as a character, because we've seen him on screen, but for him to be in this cartoon character or, or computer generated, whatever you want to call it, it's just, it made my heart start pounding. Like we're seeing something special here, man. We got Vader on television right now as Vader, as the Vader we love. It's going to be so exciting when you see it. It's, it's great. And I think the last time we saw Vader as an animated character was back in the uh, holiday special, right? I was going to say, don't say it. Don't you say it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, another great thing about it, though, is is by bringing Ahsoka in as well, it allows them to have that escape that they talked about before with Vader because they didn't want him to be that mustache twirling villain that could never catch, you know, the gang. Uh, So now they can have her be the exit out. You know, she could take off and flee and draw Vader's attention away from them. At some point, uh, I believe Kanan says something along the line, like I didn't sign on to fight with soldiers uh, when one of those battles is going down and stuff. And, you know, that that I can't wait to see that conflict as that comes about, you know, with with him being on the run and then now coming across Ahsoka, who seems to be leading the fight. Uh, you know, we're gonna, I think we're going to see two very different approaches to what it means to be a force user in a galaxy where being a force user means you're a Jedi and you need to be killed. 
Uh, I well, mean, there's I so many angles that, that's exciting in that regard. With a part of that, and and you can catch it in the trailer, so this is not a spoiler if you've seen the trailer, uh, you can catch it in the trailer if you're watching, but when Kanan says that, he's really actually referencing Rex and the clones, to me, was what he meant. With, mm-hmm. uh, when I didn't sign up to fight uh, as a soldier with soldiers because, you know, his master got killed by a clone in Order 66. So Kanan has that whole deal going on. But to, to me, one reason why Vader was more terrifying, yes, it was the movements and the, it's the way that he's animated, but to me, it's how incredibly lethal he comes across and, uh, and how powerfully he comes across the screen in Rebels. We're seeing him not through the lens of Shmi, not through the lens of Padme, not through the lens of, you know, mutual heartbreaking or angst or you know fear or rage or a complete loss of emotional control that we see the mess that Anakin winds up being at some point we don't see him in empire being kind of torn because he knows this is his son uh we see this person who everything has been ripped away from him and he's gotten over the initial terror and anger and sorrow and now it's just all cold rage just completely he is vader at his best at this moment in the sense that everything's fresh enough to him to where he's not questioning the emperor yet he's not questioning the dark side it's just everything's been stripped away and he's in full-on jedi hunt mode when vader comes on screen every single time and he has a lot of screen time when he comes on screen every single time you could feel the air go cold in my own my own brain, and I know it's going to happen in my own house, but you can feel it <laughs> because all the other characters around change. You know, everything changes when he comes on screen. It, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and without giving it yeah. too much, see that the thing is, he, he, man, I'll just shut up right now. <laughs> well, it's the thing about the screen, you know, I mean, Bethany mentioned it before about being there, but seeing these things play out on these big screens with all these other fans that are just as excited as you are there. I don't know if there's a, a, a chemical reaction, or a chemistry reaction or a pheromone, whatever. Uh, but like when we were watching Bad Batch, uh, you know, and I won't spoil anything here, but you can go to StarWars.com now and watch the episodes when they finally show you what happened to Echo, what the confederates did uh, the separatists did to him uh dude i i teared up that was i was and it's not even a complete model i've been just seeing it on that big screen and the way it was performed and stuff it was just like oh man being with all those people just just transformed what would have just been like a, oh okay that was cool to a very emotional moment you guys are right there is something to be said about the effect of watching it with an entire theater or stadium full of Star Wars fans. And I have to say, that's one thing I'm really looking forward to about The Force Awakens this December, is being able to go back into a theater and watch it with Star Wars fans. Back to Celebration. Was there anything else that really stood out to you in regards to Rebels? Is there any event or information that really struck you? For me, in the... uh rebels press sort of meetup i'm not sure exactly but in the, yeah in the rebels press conference yes a ton of people asked uh, a ton of questions f- of dave that of course he couldn't answer 
And yes, a very cute small child asked him a question <laughs> about Ahsoka and a few other questions too that he couldn't answer. And he was, he was in part struck by the said cuteness and the worry from said child. But at the same time, he's just like, man, these kids. It's come, it's come to be where I'm just terrified of the kids at celebration. I might um, have a little bit to do with that. Really? <laughs> well, I sent Pharaoh as my attack dog at him a few times, actually, and asked him about <laughs> the rule of three one time that he had to break it down and tell us that the emperor was going to stop it. And I don't think he wanted to say that, but he had to because Pharaoh was so cute. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's hilarious. And I, I don't remember which panel it was in, but at some point, a small child. Uh, and, and I don't know how they wound up doing this, but for some panels, they would have like 15 people, mostly children, sitting on the actual stage off to the side as if they got special seating or priority or it was some special thing that they got. But uh, a tiny girl asked a question about Sabine and Dave Filoni froze on stage because because she, the tiny girl was completely and utterly genuine and serious about this question about Sabine's background and her future. And Dave finally, he, like, he looked at the audience who, who were egging him on and cheering him and trying to get him to talk. And he looked at the little girl who was basically all but on her knees and <laughs> was like, okay, fine, and walked across the stage and leaned over and whispered the answer in her ear, then told her she couldn't tell anybody and walked off again. <laughs> and that was hilarious. Yeah, and you don't want to challenge that because those Disney lawyers, well, they, they won't, they'll come after her in a second. I hope that uh, Filoni told that little girl about Sabine's jetpack and when we will see it. That would be cool. <laughs> I do want to see that. Oh, my God. Barry, you finally found a reinforcement about your jetpack obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it every show until they give it to her. And I know they're going to give it to her. <laughs> Hashtag give Sabine the pack. But uh, in the press conference, somebody brought up, it, it was one of the Jedi News guys, James. Yeah, James brought up the fact that many of the Rebels characters have names that are biblical names uh even like very obscure biblical names and dave filoni said that that was not something that like they planned for in the beginning but when they realized they had several of them they realized you know what this really works uh dave just kind of mentioned the theme of there are a lot of very classic elements in the bible that are present in star wars and that are present in in all classic tales and, you know, be they real or not. Uh, but like any World War II movie, for instance, whether it's about a real hero or not, it, it often contains the hero's journey. So I, I thought that that was kind of interesting because that was something that had not been confirmed previously, even though I know that uh, Lucasfilm people had been asked about it in the past. Man, speaking of books, uh, at the Star Wars at Delray, they were talking about the 20-book Journey to the Force Awakens. September 4th, that's when all the toys also go live, but all 20 books are being dropped. Uh, and, and Jennifer Heedle had mentioned, you know, only about six or seven are going to be critical to that film. Most of the stuff are going to be things you're not going to find out until after the film comes out. So it made me stop and wonder, you know, the other books that they didn't mention, how many of these are going to possibly be Rebels books? Because 
as of right now, we still don't even know how much it's going to tie into that film, if at all, or if any of the characters from that are going to cross over. I mean, there's so many different angles they could play like that. You were asking Jonathan about, about the feel of the way they were marketing and stuff. And you would see the, the characters coming out, like the cosplayers, but they weren't in cosplay. They'd have these animated skins kind of thing. Like it looked like some dollars were thrown that way, it, but it definitely felt like the overall celebration floor had embraced rebels. You'd see rebels things with almost every other, uh, different type of thing out there. Um, you know, when, when Han said that whole Chewie were home. It felt like it definitely symbolized that family feel, like everybody there was family. And the the cast and stuff definitely had that vibe when they all came out during the uh, New Allies and New Villains panel. You know, they're all coming out taking selfies and talking about their fandom and stuff. I mean, it was it was incredible just to hear the story. It's like how Freddie Prince Jr. got his scar playing uh, lightsaber battle with his, I believe it was his cousin or his brother. Uh, just It was just really cool to have all this family vibe. And then you'd turn around the corner and there'd be these, you know, giant sized little statues of them all and stuff right next to a section of little, uh, the video games. And, uh, they had the, uh, app game. There's, they launched that new app, like I think a week or two before that came out. I mean, Rebels was almost as prevalent as everything Imperial. (laughs) And I wonder how Rebels is going to tie into The Force Awakens because it is, because they're having, Everything tie into everything so brilliantly. So they promise that the Rebel series will have a tie into the Force Awakens. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's going to be exciting. And I'm starting to think it has something to do with the Inquisitors. Cause mm-hmm. the Inquisitors, and it's not so much what they're saying, it's what they're not saying. And I'm totally speculating here, but in my gut, the Inquisitors should be a much bigger hoo-ha than what they're saying, because they're basically the Dark Force users, the Inquisitors. And it seems like they're going to be more introduced in Rebels, and it seems like there are some in The Force Awakens. So I think that's going to be the tie-in, but they are so brilliant with the way they're tying into The Force Awakens. I have no doubt that Rebels is going to be in there. I mean, if we want to talk a little bit about how they tied in Battlefront into the force awakens i mean they're gonna you're gonna be able to fight the jakku battle of jakku in battlefront and that fight takes they already told us that fight takes place right after the battle of endor and the starter story we see in the trailer is actually we're actually going to fight that battle in battlefront you know way before the movie comes out so they're even tying in battlefront into the Force Awakens. So it's, it's going to be exciting to see how they're going to tie in Rebels, but I know they're going to do it. Well, and they're even holding back on the release of the novelization for the film. They're only going to put out the ebook the day of December 18th, and then the, the hardcover is coming out in January. I mean, they're definitely playing what's happening close to the chest, but they've commented openly over and over again that they have been seeding the way now for a while. And I am really excited to see how they tie Rebels into The Force Awakens. Because, you know, Baron, like you said, it's obvious that that's what they're going to do. They almost have to. And, you know, as Nathan has said countless times, you know, this is all one story, and every bit of it, the the books mean as much as the TV series, which means as much as the movie. So I'm wondering what elements of Rebels is going to have significant impacts to the, the new movie. And I'm wondering also if... The reason that they're giving us the premiere of season two much earlier than anyone expected it 
is so that they can complete season two in time for the movie release. Mm. Hmm. That's a very interesting thought. I wonder how, like, the Inquisitor tie-in, that could make sense. But it's, I don't know. Like, I, I almost think that Disney will need to be kind of careful about how much they tie into the main films because it, it can be, get really cumbersome to try to tie in a bunch of books and a TV show and maybe a different TV show and video games and different comics, etc. You know, what at what point are you having so much tie in that you you get to the point where it starts to hurt the movie going experience for people who are not hefty Star Wars fans. Like at what point in the Marvel movies do you get to Avengers three or Avengers four? And there's so much subtext from previous films. And there's so much character development for the characters from other films that yes, as an Avengers movie fan, I've watched all of them and I have a lot of fun, but what about the new movie goer? You know? Well, I think that, Disney has become very good at balancing that. And the recent release of Avengers 2 is a perfect example. I, like you, watch, you know, all the Marvel movies. Uh, I've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know, you know, a little bit about that. And I felt that going into this most recent movie, it, it kind of helped lay the groundwork. But, you know, one of the times we went to see it, actually, the, the weekend that it came out, we went to see it at the drive-in. It was the second time that I'd seen it. And we brought my mother-in-law along, who hasn't seen all the movies. I think the last one she saw was the first Avengers. And she was still able to enjoy it. And she got a lot out of it. And she didn't miss anything. So I'm feeling that the, the tie-ins that they'll do will, I guess, increase or, you know, expand on certain aspects of the film rather than be mandatory, if that makes sense. Less a nod, but more something that's furthering the plot kind of thing, right? Kind of, yeah. I could see that myself. There, there's just so many ways that they've done that just in season one alone. I mean, you know, we, we were talking about how they brought Lando in and then they got Tarkin in. And even though Tarkin was in A New Hope and was part of the classic trilogy, Lando really cements it being one that was in two of them and was in more you know, battles, whereas now Tarkin's more seen as a prequel era character because of all his time on the Clone Wars. I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, the different things Filoni especially has dropped in the different Q&A panels. You know, I mean, in the Untold Clone Wars, we, we learned that at one point they were actually going to bring in the Vong. Uh, they were going to have a scout ship and stuff show up in the Clone Wars. Uh, you know, and they were quick to constantly point out that they would never leave any idea left behind. They would always find a way to reuse it, retool it, and all that. So it's like, you know, seeing all these different similarities and stuff popping up, I don't think any of it's just random coincidence anymore. No, it's not. And thank God they got rid of the Vong. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on the Vong. Me and Nathan have had, <laughs> we'll have conversations. But nothing's a coincidence now. They know when they got rid of the Legends, now what is now Legends, uh, formerly the EU, they know how much that meant to people. I mean, they know. I mean, we have a friend, Nathan. He spent a majority of his time as an adult putting together a timeline. And the timeline is special. The timeline, the, the glorious timeline that they tried to do was something that other franchises have tried to copy on. And it wasn't perfect, but it was ours. So they're giving that back to us now. And they're, they're not, they're trying 
to not make the same mistakes that they made before with the legends. And I think the story group has a very exciting job on their hand. I mean, really, if you really think about it, they're the ones who are in power of what stories that we're going to get and what they're actually going to bring in from the Le- Legends continuity. Because I think, Jonathan, you had mentioned when you reviewed Tarkin that the author, I think, was Lucerno, right? James Lucerno. He brings in other parts of, I think, Plagueis and other things that he's written. You're absolutely right, Barrett. He drew in a lot of existing EU and kind of almost, you know, absorbed it into the uh, the new canon, quote-unquote. But, you know, just because it's there doesn't mean that they have to use it, but they certainly can. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest derailments of the New Jedi Order in a lot of ways was Lucas himself. I mean, he's the one that said, well, no, it needs to be Anakin to die, not Jason. And that changed a lot of how the story was going to end. Uh, one of the things I always loved about that series was that it was a series of standalones, duologies, and trilogies. Uh, you know, and, and in that regard, they really did a real good job with that. So now having the story group being a Lucas that's not going to be changing things midway, uh, cause that's what really hurt the EU overall was when Lucas would change, you know, his mind on something and go a different direction. And now suddenly they were doing retcons to catch back up. Oh, oh, wait, what? Timothy Zahn's wrong in error to the Jedi? That, that's not what happened there. Oh, okay. It's just one of those things where it was the nature of the beast, but now, with the story group, they're all united in that regard, and it's moving forward in a, in a way that if they do that new Jedi Order model of where they're telling a bigger you know, story, kind of like what you're seeing Marvel do with the Avengers and stuff, it's going to be an a, a out-the-park home run. To bring us back to Rebels, though, Bethany and Barrett, you are the ones that have seen the first, I guess, few episodes of Season 2. And while I really would like it if we could avoid specifics, The question that I and a lot of the fans have is, does it keep up what we love from season one? You have no idea how badly I'm trying to restrain myself from spoiling. (laughs) Uh, Specifically one thing that I just, I so badly want to say it, but I know it's a spoiler. I know (laughs) Riley actually had the same trouble on the Star Wars report. He, (laughs) he spoiled it for, uh, and, and had to go back and edit it. So there's like this one law sentence long beep to the episode. <laughs> uh, but that said, for me, it, it improved upon season one. And, and again, I, I will give the disclaimer of the potential celebration rose tinted glasses, but I really thought that it, it picked up the pace and it picked up some character. I won't say necessarily character tensions, though those were present, but some character just, uh, it, it felt less like each character was filling a specific cardboard cutout role, you know, and, and it felt more like the characters were beginning to become more nuanced. You know, what it really felt like to me was we've used the analogy that season one was its own movie. And if season one was a new hope, Season two is going to be The Empire Strikes Back. There, it's much more fast-paced. That's all I can say. I don't want to spoil it for anything, but it feels like season two is going to be like Empire Strikes Back. And season one was A New Hope. And that's, I think, what you can expect from season two. And that's the feel I got from the first two episodes that they showed. 
Well, say you're right, and, and that is the case, and then the next one's going to be the Return of the Jedi feel. Does that mean that Rebels should then, in theory, be planned to end at three seasons, and then we move on from Rebels into a next chapter? Or do you think maybe they're going to find a way to continue the story past that? You know, it's a good question, because we've had this discussion. If you look at the pattern of Disney shows, how long do they last? Three years? Mm-hmm. Four years? That's it. They cut them off. I mean, they don't last very long. I mean, I think when Rebel, I think Clone Wars was a special bear, but when they took over Rebels, I think Rebels was already in, what, season three, and they took it over for three seasons, so it lasted three years for Disney. So I think they have a pattern on how their shows go, unless it's like uh, an extravagant, big, huge hit like Hannah Montana, but I don't even think that lasted that long. So I think Rebels... When Filoni, and this is just my opinion, but when Filoni pitched this to them, he had an ending and he has, he has a beginning and he has an ending in his, in mind. And I think it will go on for maybe three or four years because we're going to have The Force Awakens. That's going to be a huge hit. So we're, there might be some sort of television show about that. Then we're getting the standalone film Rogue One next year. They're going to have to tie into that. You know, we're, we're going to have some new stuff for that. And then they're talking about the Boba Fett film at the year after that, then episode eight. So where will Rebels fit in to that? And they're good, but, you know, they may not be that good. This this may have a beginning and an end date already out there that we just don't know about. I agree. I think Rebels has an expiration date. And we're not sure what that is. I hope we have, you know, a couple more seasons. But back to what I said earlier. They're starting season two early in the summer. And if they go through a full season, they'll end, you know, mid to late fall, just in time to gear up for The Force Awakens. Is it possible that at the end of season two, Rebels will stop and it'll change into something else? It almost seems like the logical time for me, but we'll have to wait and see. The egg is a strategy thing has always been something as a, as an EU fan, I always worry about because it always seemed like they could never do what they wanted to say. And Filoni had mentioned that, you know, with the Clone Wars, they wanted to go past episode three. Uh, so, you know, you got the sense too that like even he learned something like, you know, I got to get this out as quick as I can, you know, like get my story in, get it told, get it out and get gone. You know, uh, some of my favorite shows though had a plan from beginning to end. So knock it out the park. And, you know, Mark, you had mentioned about Filoni. He said how far he wanted to take the Clone Wars past episode three. And that just like was when he said that everybody was like, oh, my goodness, what kind of material we would have gotten. But he made comments like there was more Clone Wars material out there past the Bad Batch. I mean, he made hints that there's more stuff out there that could be released. Did you go to the Untold Clone Wars panel at all? No, no, no. I went to the Bad Batch. Okay, so me and Bethany, we went at the other one, and they showed some other animatics of uh, Cad Bane, uh, Bane being with Fett. He's training Fett at this point because he wanted to see who was the better bounty hunter, Django or him. And since Django died, there was no way to tell. So he's going to finish Boba's training. So they go to Tatooine, and they're going to attack some Tusken Raiders, uh, a Tusken camp. So there was that story. Then, then what became the Quinlan Vos story, they had some of the animatronics for that. 
Uh, they had a couple different things. They had a chew, uh, a Kashyyyk one where, uh, the Wookiees were on these big, uh, ape-like monsters that were, uh, they had to be like these spiritual gods. It was a really cool concept that they talked about and stuff. But yeah, they, there was, he was more than hinting about it. He was flat out saying it. I mean, uh, you know, he was talking about, uh, when people were asking how Rex, got past order 66. He was talking about how uh, in the season six of that, by him knowing what fives told him, it kind of broke the spell. But the second that he didn't shoot the Jedi he was with, he would become a traitor. So it was, it was interesting too, because it's like, Oh, Rex was with other Jedi at this point. Like, Oh, was he reassigned? Cause mm-hmm. you know, when you watch episode three, you're always like, where's Rex? Where's Rex? And to know that Filoni already had a plan for Rex and that's having you know, and having him here and knowing that he's very focused on not making this be their story. Oh, I'm just so excited. I mean, in that regard, if it is three seasons, this being Empire Strikes Back, the the dark end that you're expecting from Empire Strikes Back, for me, I, I think that's got to be the conclusion of everything Clone Wars. Oh. And if we've learned anything about Star Wars, if there's a story out there, it will be told. One way or another, it's coming out. And it's only a few short weeks till those of us who weren't in Anaheim can see the premiere of Season 2, and you know that the round table will be there to discuss it with you. And I want to thank Barrett, Mark, and Bethany for coming and discussing and sharing their Anaheim experiences with us. Thank you very much for having me. I definitely had fun. And next time I'll, I'll talk more when I'm busy not coughing with a, mit- with a muted microphone. <laughs> Welcome to the fold, Bethany. It's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm excited to have you as part of the team, and, and it's always fun to talk about the experiences. And I, I got to say, for those of you out there that have never been to a Star Wars celebration, this is my first time. I, I fully endorse it. Everybody needs to do this. Go oh, and, yeah. and dip in that water, man. Oh, yeah. It's celebration, it's it's such a special experience for Star Wars fans. Just you, you feel the best way that I could describe celebration. And I've said this many times and I'll say it again here is in the force awakens trailer. When Han Solo says, Chewie, we're home. That's the feeling that you get as a star Wars fan that basically just captures everything about celebration as a star Wars fan. You're home. You're with your friends who are close enough to be family. Man, did the roof on the building almost blew off. When we all watched that We're Home, Chewie, We're Home, the trailer, oh, man, it it was amazing. Well, speaking of family, we will see all of you in a few short weeks when we review the premiere of Season 2. Until then, long live the Rebellion. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable. Rebels Roundtable is hosted by Jonathan, Barrent, Jen, Nathan, Mark, and Dan. Interact with us online at facebook.com slash rebelsroundtable or on Twitter at rebelsround. Also, be sure to visit rebelsroundtable.com when looking for an episode directory of the show. The Rebels Roundtable team is proud to carry on the legacy of Venganza Media's Republic Forces Radio Network podcast. We invite you to visit RepublicForces.com's archive section to hear many of the team members' thoughts on the Clone Wars, Droids, Ewoks, and the Clone Wars micro-series. 
and check out Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official Expanded Universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com, which you can find among the second Airborne Division podcast network at StarWarsReport.com. Star Wars Rebels and all that the Star Wars universe contains is the intellectual property of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable is copyright 2014, all rights reserved. What the hell is that? Oh, that? That buzzing. Uh, maybe my fan? I don't know. I thought maybe using a Did personal, go personal pleasure device or something. I don't know. <laughs> what is this? Oh, yeah, it's a, a big tube I got here that I'm in the process of cutting up. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. It almost, it's got a didgeridoo-like sound to it from my end. I don't know. It, it does, but I, was just, I, I don't want to know, actually. I, <laughs> yeah, now that I'm looking at it, it is kind of aiming the air right at the microphone. <laughs> Whoopsie! How do I sound? Oh, you're beautiful as always, Baron. Oh, thank you. So nice, Jonathan. Uh, I'll get you everywhere with me. Uh, if, I, if I talk nice? Yeah. Or if you talk not so nice. Well, we'll leave the other two off that call. That call. <laughs> Will you please stop talking? <laughs>